The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. On the line, we've got Senator Sarah Henderson. Senator, good morning. Thanks for being on the program. A very good morning to you, Mitch. Well, to get started, the situation we find ourselves in now is that we have a little bit more freedom in regional Victoria, but still quite restrictive on a number of businesses. That said, I think I would certainly rather this situation than being locked down, the uh, situation where you can at least go more than 5Ks from home on a weekend, for example. Well, absolutely, and I think uh, it is good to see some easing of restrictions, but Mitchell, I, I am very, very concerned about the tourism and hospitality and event sector in our region. I've spoken to many businesses and they are on the knees, and, and one operator said to me, I can hear the death rattle sounding because it's just not conceivable for most businesses to open if you run a restaurant or a pub and allow only 10 people inside. Uh, we are seeing uh, continuing draconian restrictions, which are putting our, as I say, our hospitality and tourism sector at great jeopardy. And I think uh, after 18 months, we've got to find a better way forward and a, a, a better sense of balance. And I am, as I say, incredibly concerned, despite obviously the, the huge leaps and bounds that have been made in the vaccination rollout, we are now at more than 22 million doses. We've just secured another large tranche of doses uh, coming forward. Of course, today, uh, children um, from the age of 12 up can actually um, get, a, get a vaccine, which is really wonderful. So there is a rapid acceleration of the vaccination rollout. We've got the announcement, of course, in the north and west of Melbourne where there is some um, particular concerns. Uh, but as I say, uh, what's particularly disappointing, and, and Matthew Guy, the new opposition leader in Victoria, has made a very, very important point. Victorians need a roadmap. Victorians need a plan. And as yet, we are still seeing absolutely nothing from Daniel Andrews and Labor on that. How would you handle the hospitality situation? Because as far as I can see, the Premier says in his media conferences, he's just following the medical advice and presumably the advice says you can only have 10 people in an indoor hospitality venue in regional Victoria. So how would you approach that situation differently? Well, Mitch, that's just not true. We don't know what the health advice is in Victoria because the hospitality and event sector and tourism sector have been pushed and pulled um, for a range of different restrictions, uh, you know, the rules are constantly changing. The goalposts are constantly changing. What the Australian Hotels Association has called for is a return to one person per four square metres inside and one person per two square metres outside. So that enables a large pub, say a pub that might take five or 600 people in ordinary trade, you know, they might be able to take 100 people but to say that uh, a large hotel or restaurant is limited to 10 people only means you can't even turn the fridges on uh, because, of the, because of the cost of doing business. Uh, it costs more to turn the fridges on uh, than it does um, than any return you would get from 10 people at any one time. These are ludicrous, ridiculous restrictions. And I am so... I mean, apart from Bev MacArthur, of course, there's a great liberal voice for our region. We are wall-to-wall Labor members who are saying nothing about this. They are saying nothing about Victorians being locked out of their state. We've got thousands of Victorians, Mitch, 
many from Geelong, and we have seen nothing from Libby Coker or Richard Miles. Uh, we've seen this man in Ballarat. He's been locked out of his house for two months. I mean, this is a blatant breach of human rights. This is disgusting. This is outrageous that these um, good Victorians travelled interstate with their caravan or headed off to see family or to help friends. In the case of Alan Mears from Ballarat, he went to see his friend with cancer. And then I received another email just yesterday from a Geelong uh, couple, and you know, one of the one of the um, one of the people that's trapped in the state, you know, he's got serious medical conditions, and he's not allowed to return home. So what is going on? I mean, this is outrageous. So these people have been, that have been called into state, what they're all prepared to get the COVID negative test to travel straight to their homes, to quarantine for 14 days. And so far, the Victorian government has only opened up a permit for 200 people per week. That means that there is a tranche of people, we don't know how many, but it's in the thousands, who may not be even home by Christmas. Mitch, this is ridiculous. I say to Christine Cousins, Lisa Neville, John Aaron, Darren Cheeseman, Richard Miles and Liddy Coker, what the hell are you doing? Where is your compassion? Where is your sense of duty to stand up for your constituents? It's absolutely outrageous. Enough is enough. Let these Victorians home. And you might have seen that federal and state Labor are blaming you or your government for the current level of restrictions. Uh, state Labor and Daniel Andrews, who was just in our news service at nine o'clock, saying hundreds of thousands of vaccine doses have been sent to New South Wales above their share that they deserve, he says. And also federal Labor saying that uh, Greg Hunt and your team should have met with Pfizer earlier to secure the vaccine earlier. How do you react to those accusations? Well, I think uh, the Age reported that Daniel Andrews' comments, uh, he, he did make those comments on the day when Matthew Guy was <laughs> became the leader. I think uh, it, there was a, a clever attempt to distract and to try and uh, recoup the headlines. But in that case, in the case of Daniel Andrews' claims, uh, unfortunately, they were not true. There was no secret stash um, provided to New South Wales. Certainly, uh, there was additional doses provided to New South Wales to deal with, you know, a very, very serious outbreak they had. But Daniel Andrews conveniently forgot to mention that in June, when Victoria had its outbreak, Victorians' needs were prioritised with an additional 300,000 doses of Pfizer. So the facts are, as it stands today, Victoria per capita has received more vaccine doses than, uh, than New South Wales. And in relation to the, uh, the negotiations with many pharmaceutical companies, of course, including Pfizer, again, uh, Labor is picking and choosing. Um, it, it's very clear on the face of the email correspondence that there were already a number of discussions and meetings in place. And uh, of course, Labor has attempted to mislead and misrepresent what actually transpired, claiming there were millions and millions of doses. In fact, that was the global supply. So we've seen um, Labor, all that we have seen from Labor, frankly, Mitch, yeah, is toxicity, uh, is attempts to undermine the government. And one of the most important uh, life-saving economic programs, even JobKeeper, Labor is now saying nothing but negativity in relation to JobKeeper. Uh, as we get closer to the election, we are seeing more and more politicking, more and more um, negativity from Labor. And I think, frankly, what Victorians want to see is a plan. They want to see us unite, not divide. 
uh, governments don't get all things right. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we certainly had some issues with supply in the earlier phases. We certainly had some issues with the health advice from ATAGI. But we now, as the Prime Minister has confirmed, we now have enough supply for everyone. There is now a full rollout underway. So please, can I say to those who haven't got vaccinated, and let me just stress that in Geelong, we have seen really strong vaccination rates. Queenscliff, they are absolute champions. They've hit in excess of 90% for first vaccination doses. But can I please say to everyone, please get out and get vaccinated. That is our ticket to freedom. That is our pathway out. Uh, we are going to be living with this virus for a long time, but we, we have to make sure that we control it, not uh, it controls us. And as I say, uh, the very positive message is please get vaccinated. But as for some of these restrictions, we've got to get the balance right, Mitch. And I don't think there is any justification for a state like Victoria, where Victorians travel in good faith out of their state and they are locked out. That is one of the most outrageous human rights breaches I have ever seen, uh, ever in this country. And in that I include the forced separation of children from their parents. There have been a number of terrible cases where children have not been able to reunite with their parents. And so I say in relation to those terrible restrictions, those terrible decisions, um, these have got to be fixed dramatically. These are, um, let me just, you can obviously tell that I'm very upset about this. Mm. And I'm very passionate about seeing this fixed. But when Alan Mears, um, an elderly gentleman, went to see his friend in Lisbon, when he applied for his second permit um, application, and that was rejected, Mitch, he received information about how to contact Lifeline. So the Department of Health knew that when he got his second rejection, that would have a significant mental health impact on him. And yet that is the best that they can do. I mean, I know these, I know the management of this virus is incredibly challenging, but we cannot live in a state where people are locked out. We've got to have collective voices throughout this state saying, please let Victorians come home. And in our region, when I'm reading so many terrible cases, like Dennis and Katrina Lay from Highton, who are sitting on the border in Albury, they've had three or four negative COVID tests each. There is no COVID in Albury. They can get in their car and they can drive straight to Geelong without stopping with a, a full tank of fuel. They can walk straight into their home and quarantine for two weeks. Uh, these, this is utter, complete madness. This must be fixed. And I call on all of the Labor members, state and federal, who represent our region, to get their head out of the sand and to join with me and Beth MacArthur and the Liberal team here in Victoria and please get these Victorians home. Can these people access the hotel quarantine system if they wish, In you know, if they were prepared to pay the money to stay there for the 14 days? Is that on the table or are they locked out of that system as well? No, that is what is so extraordinary. They don't even get a permit to cross the border. So they can't even, even if hotel quarantine was on the table, and frankly, for thousands of Victorians, I mean, the whole thing is nonsensical. Uh, people, if they comply with all of the appropriate health orders, you know, frankly, and there is a trial in South Australia now for home quarantine, but frankly, like, like Dennis and Katrina Lane, 
But why would they travel, be forced to travel into a, a COVID hotspot in Melbourne when they can travel straight to Heighton and go straight into their homes? Uh, I mean, like the kids from Victoria who are at the Yanko Agricultural High School in New South Wales, one family and one young girl have been forced to travel from Yanko where there are no COVID cases into Melbourne to go into hotel quarantine for two weeks and then to drive to Birragara. And their local constituents of uh, Libby Coker. Libby Coker was asked, you know, for help and she didn't even respond. I mean, it's, it's just it's just so outrageous. So what's even worse about this situation, and I don't realise, I don't even know whether people realise this, when Victorians locked out are applying for a permit to cross the border, they're being refused a, 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 a permit crossing, I'm sorry, a border crossing. So they are being refused rolling applications for a permit. So it doesn't even matter if they're prepared to go into hotel quarantine, that's not even permitted. And that's why this is such a blatant breach of human rights. And that is why, Mitch, I have put on the table that we have got to look at a, as a country at serious constitutional reform because the situation where borders can be closed at a whim, where regions can be locked down with two and a half hours notice, uh, this is just untenable. And we've got to have greater national consistency We've got to have the national interest at heart. And I just say to Daniel Andrews and Labor, they have seriously lost the plot. Uh, uh, this, this, is just, this is just unbelievable that this is happening in our state. And it is even more unbelievable that members of parliament elected by their constituents in our region are saying absolutely nothing. Well, we better move along to a couple of other things to quickly finish off. First of all, the Ballerine Pool. I see that there's a lot of local interest in this and a bit of discussion on social media. And I saw that you came in and said that there is plans to hopefully one day as maybe part of stage two, have that as an indoor pool. I mean, how likely is it that we'll actually see an indoor pool there at Drysdale? Well, can I just say, first of all, I'm absolutely delighted that uh, the Morrison government's election committee of $10 million in partnership with council, um, has now meant that we are moving uh, in the fast lane and uh, the construction of an outdoor pool complete with change rooms and kiosk and tiered seating and community lawn, uh, that has now gone out to tender. And so that, and construction will begin early next year. And that is stage one of the North Bellarine Aquatic Facility. And that is incredibly exciting because two years ago, Mitch, we were facing a situation after the Port Arlington pool was closed where the state government had done absolutely nothing. So on Lisa Neville's watch, not a dollar was, was, um, was contributed towards a new aquatic facility for the North Bellarine. So um, the Morrison government made this election commitment in contrast to federal labour, which made no commitment for not one construction dollar. I think there was a small amount of funding for a feasibility plan only. But what this commitment has done is, is get shovels in the ground. This project is now underway and that would not have happened without the commitment of the Morrison government and of course the Liberals and it was a commitment that I secured when I was the local member for Karangamite. So now the plan is to raise the funds for a stage two indoor pool facility 
very much modelled for your listeners might know, say, the Harold Holt Pool. It's a great model where you have an outdoor 50-metre pool um, and then a 50 and then a, a smaller program pool, warm water pool, indoors with gym and aqua play. So council is now working on concept designs for an indoor pool. But what we do need to see is a commitment from the state government to fund this because um, the Commonwealth can't do this on its own. I mean, ordinarily, these facilities are developed from the ground up, but I really had to, I guess, force this through um, and to get this project basically on the drawing board, uh, we made this commitment. The council then came on board, developed a plan, put in $5.45 million, I'll have to say Stephanie Asher as mayor, and now, of course, as Liberal candidate for Kalingamite has been a magnificent leader on this project, along with so many other things that she's doing on the Ballerine and right across the region. And really what we need to see is uh, Libby Coker and Labor, rather than causing division and dissension, just focus on raising the additional funds that we need for a stage two indoor pool. Well, thanks very much for being on the program. Always good to catch up and uh, we'll talk to you again next month. Great to talk to you, Mitch. And if there's anything that you can do to rattle the cage on getting Victorians home with uh, my parliamentary colleagues uh, from the Labor Party, I would really be grateful because I am at, uh, I'm really, the, the despair that I feel over this situation, I cannot understate. Something has got to be fixed. Thank you very much, Senator Sarah Henderson there, uh, Senator for Victoria. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.